Hello, ladies. Welcome to the Hourly to Exit podcast. I'm your host, Erin Austin. My goal with every episode is to share information and resources to help you achieve the next level of growth in your expertise-based business. We all know generating income from our expertise is pretty easy. The challenge is in scaling and building a business that can run without you. Join me here every week to make sure you are building an asset that can be used to fund your goals and your legacy. Before we get started though, one little disclaimer, because I'm a lawyer. The information I share on the podcast is general in nature and is provided for information purposes only. It is not to be relied upon nor construed as providing legal advice or legal opinions about any specific issue or set of facts. Now, here we go. Hello, everyone. Welcome to LinkedIn Live. I have these every last Wednesday of the month at noon Eastern. So again, Aaron Austin, very happy to be here with you, founder of Think Beyond IP, where we talk about issues that help you scale and hopefully someday sell your business. This is being recorded live on LinkedIn Live, but it's also going to be distributed as part of my podcast, Hourly to Exit. So just to let you know, if you are listening to this on the podcast, that there are some slides that go with this conversation that will be helpful. So you can find them either over my YouTube channel for Think Beyond IP's YouTube channel, or I will make sure that there's a link to the slides actually in the show notes as well. Either way, you should be able to get the full benefit of our conversation today. Feel free to put questions in the chat at any time. Today, we're going to talk about non-competes, which I call niche killers. And that will become very obvious why as we go through our conversation. First, what is a non-compete? So non-compete is a restrictive covenant, and you'll find it as a provision in your client agreements where they restrict your ability or maybe even prohibit you from working with any of their competitors. What is a group of competitors? If you specialize in working with law firms, or you specialize working with doctors, or you specialize working with teachers, a group of competitors is a niche. And so that specialized segment for your goods or services. Now, if you are here, you've probably heard a million times that riches are in the niches. And there are tons of resources, if you haven't heard that before, that I can point you to. I love the Business of Authority podcast talks about that a lot. Jonathan Stark and Rochelle Moulton. Also, Biz Chicks talks about it a lot. The Two Bobs. There's so many resources to tell you about the value of having a niche. Now, just to go over them very quickly here, one, to be fishing in a small pool instead of fishing in an ocean. Your resources are the same whether you're fishing in an ocean or you're fishing in a pond. And so you're going to be a lot more effective fishing in a pond with your resources than you are fishing in an ocean. Also, when you have a niche, you get very strong positioning. You become known as the go-to person or the authority in your area. And that is only possible within a niche. 
you have less spending on your marketing. When you are known as the authority or the go-to person, then you are highly referable. People will know, oh, I know exactly you are an accountant and you need help with your SEO. I know exactly who you need to talk to. So you become very referable and therefore spend less on marketing. When you are known as the authority in an area, you can command higher premium pricing. You cannot get those premium pricing when you are just another SEO expert or just another copywriter. And then it, of course, it accelerates the development of your expertise. When you are working in a specific area, you get to know intimately the issues that your clients have, their businesses really well, you know the language that they speak, and that helps you really accelerate your expertise. It's all kind of builds on each other. And so if riches are in the niches, then what is in non-competes? And so it's really kind of the opposite of what's the riches in the niches. You have weak positioning. If you are working, if you're doing SEO for every different kind of client, then it is very hard to have strong positioning. As they say, if you work with everyone, then you work with no one. Your messaging is very squishy. Are you talking to clients who serve customers? Or are you talking to clients who serve patients? Or are you talking to clients that serve collaborators? Like, who are you talking to? What is the language that they're using? And that's hard to do if you don't have a niche. You get a grab bag of clients. In the legal world, they're called the front door clients. Like anyone who walks through the front door is your client is. And that generalist law practice, that's actually pretty hard to maintain. The more niche a lawyer is, the higher and more premium prices they can command. And that applies to many other areas of expertise as well. And then if you are getting referrals at all, because sometimes you aren't because people find it hard to refer to you, they aren't the right kind of referrals. They don't quite understand what you do. So if they just hear some random buzzword, then they'll go, oh yeah, I think you need to talk to this person. And then you spend time on the phone with them and find out that they're not the right referral for you. It's much harder to build valuable IP because again, you're kind of all over the place. And often you'll find yourself reduced to selling your time instead of selling your expertise. These are the reasons we don't like non-competes, which interfere in our ability to create niches and all the wonderful riches that come with them. So let's talk about some specific examples of non-compete provisions that you will see in your services agreements. Again, look for the slides if you are listening to this on the podcast. So my first example, which involves when you are the subcontractor and there is an end client, and it is not that unusual for your immediate client to want to prevent you as the subcontractor from doing an end run and serving that end client directly. Not that I'm a huge anti-fan of non-competes, but the only time I'm not offended by non-competes is in this circumstance. It is fair for your client not to expect you to like do the end run and go directly to the end client for those services that you've been engaged to do. In this example, if the contractor provides services to a client of company under this agreement, subcontractor agrees not to independently contract 
to provide services to such client during the same period and for a period of one year after completion, expiration, or termination of such services. If subcontractor has an existing agreement in place with a company client prior to the effective date of this agreement, any services provided by subcontractor pursuant to that agreement are excluded from the preceding restriction. And just to clarify, in this example, you are the subcontractor and your client is company and then company client would be the end client. And so this is an example where your client does not want you to do an end run to go directly to the end client. That said, it is still too broad. There are a number of issues that I have with that provision. And in this next slide, I am addressing the way that I would remedy this to make it more reasonable so it doesn't interfere with your ability to create your niche, i.e. work with competitors of your client. In this one, one, you need to make sure that you actually know who that end client is. Depending on the nature of your services, sometimes you don't know who the end client is. Maybe you're brought in just to do something specifically. Maybe in the market research field, you may be brought in to provide respondents and you don't know who the end client is. So you certainly don't want to agree to not provide services with an end client that you're not even aware of. So you would accidentally breach your agreement. Also, you may provide services that don't actually compete with your client. You may be in completely different industries, but your client is providing kind of a 360 degree solution. And so they need to bring in subcontractors in order to fill in the blanks where they don't have that expertise in-house. So if you are not competing with your client, there's no reason for you to not be able to work with that end client providing services that don't even compete with your immediate client. So you want to make sure it's clear that any non-compete would apply only to services that compete with your immediate client. Also, for that one-year tail, that one-year non-compete period after your services have been completed, the point is for you to not poach this client. The point is not for there to be some exclusive market that only your client can play in. You have your own expertise. They have their expertise. You should be able to go out in the market and compete in the market based on your expertise without any restrictions. And so that non-compete period should just apply to providing services to that client in connection with this engagement. And then never, never, never agree to anything that will interfere with your current relationships. As an expert, one of your most valuable assets are your relationships. So if you have relationships either that you're cultivating or that are with actual clients, you want to be able to continue to cultivate those relationships. You don't want anything to come between you and that. Obviously, if you have a client that has worked with you in the past and they come back to you, can you imagine having to say no because of one of these non-compete provisions? So make sure that it doesn't apply, that any non-compete not only carves out existing agreements, that it also carves out existing relationships. Another example, so this is a more general non-compete. It's not the subcontractor scenario, but it is just you and your client may have engaged with the same market from time to time, 
and your client just wants you completely out of the market. And just because you've worked together on this one specific project, and that is unreasonable. So this language, during the term of this agreement and for a period of one year after the termination of this agreement, contractors shall not engage in any employment, consulting, or other activity that competes with the business, proposed business, or business interest of company, and contractor will not assist any other person or entity in doing so without company's prior written consent. There are many, many things wrong with this provision, so many that my recommendation is to simply strike it. You're not in the business of carving up the market for using your expertise. You have yours, they have theirs, and you should be able to go out into the market and compete as the market demands. Step one is try to eliminate it altogether. Now, any contract negotiation depends on the relative negotiating power of each party. And so there may be a reason that you need to agree to some level of non-compete. And so you need to negotiate this provision. So here, my recommendation, the fallback position would be, first, limit the term of the non-compete to the term that you're working together. Two, the restriction on doing competing employment or other activity is far too broad. Maybe you're solo and one of your other clients wants you to go in-house and that is a competing client. There should be no restriction on your ability to go in-house with a client and provide services. You will always be subject to the non-disclosure obligations. You, of course, are not permitted to use any other party's intellectual property or their secrets without their permission. But for you to use your expertise, you can use it with anyone. And so we're limiting that language that competes with the services they have here. You can't compete with proposed business or business interest. I mean, how broad is that? How would you possibly know what other proposed business prospects they're looking at, what other business interests they have, other than what you're directly engaged to perform. So you need to eliminate anything that is so broad and so vague as proposed business interests. And then you can't assist. Well, again, you may not know that one of your clients is a competitor of the old client. You can't be in a position of accidentally breaching an agreement because you're not aware of who the end clients are. And again, always, always make sure that any restriction does not apply to your pre-existing relationships. Now, there is a provision here called interference. This is a real provision that came from a services agreement that absolutely blew my mind when I saw it. And I think you don't need to be a lawyer to know why this provision is so outrageous. During the term of this agreement and for a period of one year following termination or expiration of this agreement, supplier agrees not to induce or attempt to induce, influence or attempt to influence any client, supplier or other business relation of company or any affiliate of company to cease doing business, terminate, or modify any written or oral agreement, arrangement, or course of dealing 
or to otherwise interfere with the business relationship. This is so broad that you literally couldn't, like, what can you do that doesn't breach this provision? Anytime you talk to another client, another supplier, or other business relation, I mean, all sorts of people we have business relationships with, that might cause them to work with you instead of with them. And all those things, even attempting to, not even succeeding to, but just having a conversation about possibly working together would breach this provision. This is 100% unreasonable and absolutely would be something that could kill your business. And as a general rule, even with provisions that seem a little more reasonable, such as the very first one regarding the subcontractor arrangements, you need to think about the overall effect of agreeing to provisions like this, any version of non-compete or non-solicitation. If you agreed to the language that this particular client is asking you to agree to, and you did that with every client, would you be out of business? What would be left? If with every client you said, okay, I won't work with any of your competitors, and so that eliminates 20% of the market, and then you do it with another one, eliminates another 20% and another one, pretty soon you're out of business. So you really need to think about the overall effect of agreeing, going just the slippery slope of non-competes when you think about that. So make sure that you don't lose that when you're negotiating with your clients. So the key takeaways here, you need to restrict any type of non-compete. First, try to get rid of them. But if you can't, make sure that any restriction is as narrow as possible in terms of the time that it applies, who it applies to, and what services it applies to. Make sure that standard carve-out is there. Any pre-existing relationships must be carved out. And most importantly, don't be afraid to stand up for your business. It is a B2B relationship. You are partners in making sure that both parties have a happy resolution. Any business relationship where both parties don't feel like they got value from it is an unsuccessful one. And so the other party does want you to feel good about the relationship as well. And they are set up for you to have conversations about those provisions. What do I do if my client insists on including a non-compete? Yeah, I mean, sometimes it will happen. And again, depending on the nature of your industry, it will be very important for them to know that you aren't working with their competitors. Certainly, if you're doing anything that involves access to your client's trade secrets, they are going to probably insist on having some version of a non-compete. And so again, you're going to have to just make sure that it is as narrow in scope as possible and even specific to maybe, let's say it is a pharmaceutical company and they want you to not work with any other pharmaceutical companies. Maybe try to get it as narrow as we won't work with someone who is in the same category of drug, diabetes drugs or hypertension drugs. So as narrow as you can make it so that you can still work with other pharmaceutical companies. Certainly there are a lot of pharmaceutical companies that they may be competitors on the surface. They really aren't because they work in different areas of therapy. That would be my recommendation. Again, just as narrow as possible 
and making sure that you can continue to work with your existing relationships. One other thing I want to add is when they ask you to come and get their approval of working with any competitors, that is generally not workable. Your clients are not going to want you to talk to your other clients about who you're working with, and they wouldn't want you to. So anything that says you need to come to us and get approval really isn't workable. You need to just make sure that there are very clear parameters that you can work with so that you can continue to grow your business, create a niche so that you can develop a high value business where you're known as the authority in the business, can command premium prices, can accelerate your expertise and all the riches that come with niches. So thank you for joining me. And all the links will be in the show notes. And of course, if you have any questions, please don't hesitate to contact me. I'll actually have contact page here. You can find me on LinkedIn. I am the Aaron Austin, without the the, of course. And I also have many resources on my website, thinkbeyondip.com, where you can find me as well. So thanks again for joining me. Thanks for listening. Do not forget to check out the show notes for links to connect with today's guest and for the resources, offers, and organizations that we discussed. You can also find the links at hourlytoexit.com backslash podcast. If you got value from this episode, please subscribe. And I'd be so grateful for a review. I'm here to support your journey.